Hi, and welcome to the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, the Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. We call this episode of the podcast, What's at Stake? That's because we have assembled a rockstar panel of experts to discuss the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to fill Justice Kennedy's seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. What you are about to listen to was previously recorded as a national call-in for groups to discuss what this nomination means and how we can take action to stop Kavanaugh. You will hear from a panel of experts including Shannon Minter from the National Center for Lesbian Rights, Leslie Prohl, the MAACP, Keith Therion, Alliance for Justice, Marty Rouse, HRC, Shauna Abarar, United We Dream, and of course, me, Eric Lesh. We hope you enjoy this call and the Q&A to follow. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. My name is Eric Lesh. I'm the Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar Association of New York. Thank you all for joining our national call-in, What's at Stake? Um, I want to personally thank everybody who's on the call as our expert panel. I'm a huge fan of these folks and the orgs that uh, they represent. We have Shannon Minter from the National Center for Lesbian Rights, Leslie Prohl from the NAACP, Keith Therion from Alliance for Justice, Marty Rouse from HRC, Sana Abrar, United We Dream. Each of these people will go ahead and speak, and then we're going to open the floor afterwards to Q&A. If you have a question, please utilize that box that's over in the corner if you're on uh, the web portion. And if you have a, a question, you're going to dial star 1 if you're on the phone. So as we all know, on June 27th, Justice Kennedy announced that he would retire from the Supreme Court after one of the worst terms in recent memory. This opened up a vacancy that Donald Trump can fill with the approval of a bare majority of the U.S. Senate. Last night, of course, Trump announced that he was nominating Brett Kavanaugh, judge of the D.C. Circuit, to fill this seat. Judge Kavanaugh's extreme record poses a serious threat to civil rights. From the perspective of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination threatens Justice Kennedy's entire LGBT rights legacy, and we oppose. Kavanaugh's past support by the anti-LGBTQ hate group Family Resource Council is, is deeply concerning. In fact, several anti-LGBT organizations are also known to have played a significant role in both recommending and vetting Trump's SCOTUS shortlist, including the ultra-conservative Heritage Foundation, which considers Judge Kavanaugh to be a stellar judge. These are groups that use hatred and fear-mongering to target the rights of the LGBT community, and as we know, they are handpicking our federal judges. According to Lambda Legal, one in 10 sitting appeals court judges have been picked by Trump, and these groups are helping behind the scenes. Judge Kavanaugh's record, of course, shows that he is a real threat to our nation's core principles of equality and freedom for all. Besides that, he is ideologically driven and designed to create an activist Supreme Court. Together with the four other conservatives, they plan to dismantle dismantle rights for LGBTQ people, women, people of color, immigrants, and all vulnerable populations. 
In three cases upholding aspects of the Affordable Care Act, Judge Kavanaugh dissented in each of them. His confirmation would have a devastating impact on those with pre-existing conditions. Judge Kavanaugh tried to prevent an undocumented minor in government care from exercising her right to abortion care. Judge Kavanaugh's record also shows disdain for working Americans as he opposes basic protections for workers banding together in a class to hold their employers accountable. Judge Kavanaugh's troubling mindset calls into question his commitment to landmark LGBT rulings, including Romer v. Evans, Lawrence v. Texas, U.S. v. Windsor, and Obergefell v. Hodges. These are the core of Justice Kennedy's LGBT rights legacy. Legal will continue to help lead the fight to protect LGBT people from extreme judicial nominees. We cannot sit back and let Donald Trump drag us back into the 1950s for the next 40 years. Now I'm going to turn things over to uh, Leslie, or sorry, to Shannon Minter from the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Shannon. Uh, thank you, Eric, and, and welcome to all. You know, the gravity of this nomination, both for LGBT people and our country as a whole, cannot be overstated. If confirmed, Judge Kavanaugh would tilt an already conservative court to the far hard right. Political scientist Lee Epstein recently evaluated Judge Kavanaugh's record and found that it would place him well to the right of every single current justice except for Clarence Thomas. For LGBT people in particular, uh, this poses a very real threat. While we don't expect to see a direct reversal of the landmark holdings in Romer, Lawrence, or Obergefell, there are a number of new issues that may well be heard by the court that could result in lasting harm to LGBT people and their families. That includes, for example, the constitutionality of new state laws, which we're seeing pop up across the country, that permit discrimination against LGBT people in publicly funded adoption and foster care agencies. It includes cases affecting transgender students. Right now, the lower federal courts have overwhelmingly held that federal education law protects these students. The contrary decision by the U.S. Supreme Court would be devastating for these young people and their families. Similarly, for decades now, the lower courts have unanimously held that U.S. immigration and asylum law protects LGBT individuals who are fleeing violence and persecution in their home countries. But this administration has already taken steps to weaken those protections. And again, an adverse decision on that issue by the U.S. Supreme Court would be a setback of unimaginable proportions. There's also a serious risk that a Trump-packed court will fail to robustly enforce the holding of Obergefell and permit states to treat married same-sex couples unequally. And finally, and Eric alluded to this, there is a real danger that a Trump-packed court would eviscerate the ACA's protections for people with pre-existing conditions that overnight would leave countless transgender people, people living with HIV, with no ability to purchase health insurance. These issues strike at the very heart of our ability to live and even survive as equal members of this society. There's nothing in Judge Kavanaugh's record to suggest that he would understand the real-world impact of these issues on the actual lives and well-being of LGBT people, or that he would be anything other than a consistent vote to deny basic freedoms and equality both to LGBT people and to other vulnerable groups. 
I'll stop there and turn it over to my colleague, Leslie Prohl. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for inviting me uh, today. I advise the NAACP on judicial nominations, and um, the NAACP has been fighting for fair-minded justices on the Supreme Court since it helped defeat a Herbert Hoover nominee back in 1930. So we definitely know what's at stake. So yesterday, the nation celebrated the 150th anniversary of the 14th Amendment, which guaranteed to all persons the right to equal protection under the law. And also on yesterday, Donald Trump made a nomination that threatens to interfere with the progress the nation has made in realizing that promise of equality. I wanted to say um, um, a little bit about uh, Justice Kennedy's uh, record on racial justice. We know he played a pivotal court, a pivotal role on the court, uh, but he was a conservative. There's no doubt about that. I was listening to NPR this morning uh, talking about how the Chamber of Commerce won nine of its ten cases in the court this year. And at the end of the term, we saw him uphold the Muslim ban and upend a 40-year precedent on collective bargaining rights. But as everyone on this call knows, he provided a fifth vote in pivotal cases. Um, in addition to securing equal treatment for the LGBTQ community, he provided a vote to uphold some consideration of race in college admissions cases. That's the University of Texas case most recently. In a housing case, a very important fair housing case um, a couple years back, he affirmed the use of disparate impact which is a hugely effective tool for proving discrimination of any kind, um, where you can show that a neutral practice uh, disproportionately impacts a particular community. So that's at stake as well. He also made a critical difference in, in, in criminal justice cases across the board, from um, the death penalty to conditions of confinement. Um, but the takeaway point is that things can get worse. Um, much worse, in fact. And without him, the door could close on justice for a generation. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to use an example, voting rights. So people are very mistaken if they think that we hit rock bottom when the court gutted the heart of the Voting Rights Act. Um, more can happen. Um, this term, uh, Justice, new Justice Gorsuch and Justice Thomas said the Voting Rights Act doesn't apply to redistricting whatsoever. End of evaluation. Uh, Justice Thomas and uh, former Justice Scalia had also expressed the view that the Voting Rights Act itself was unconstitutional. So those are the threats that are looming with this nomination. The Voting Rights Act could be overruled or um, 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 death by a thousand cuts, just like Roe versus Wade. So the NAACP knows Judge Kavanaugh well. Um, we opposed his confirmation to the D.C. Circuit um, for good reason, and in his 12 years on the bench, we're sorry to say he has proven us correct. He has been a strong and consistent voice for the wealthy and the powerful. Over and over again, he's ruled against civil rights, workers' rights, consumer rights, and women's rights. We view him as a dangerous ideologue, whose extreme views on civil rights would lurch the court to the far right. And coming after Gorsuch's appointment, a Kavanaugh confirmation would allow Trump, this 
president to remake the court in his own image, and we should just let that sink in for a moment. Remake the court in Donald Trump's own image. Kavanaugh takes an exceedingly narrow view of Title VII. Um, we've looked at his record. He, we know he found the um, Consumer Finance Protection Board uh, unconstitutional. He's criticized that Congress's use of the Commerce Clause to enact the Violence Against Women Act. He upheld a photo ID law from South Carolina. He ruled against unions, the environment. You'll hear a lot about his record. Um, even where he doesn't have a clear-cut record, we are still deeply troubled. He was on that Trump shortlist for a reason, and there are issues that the hard right has been gunning for for years and with Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation, they could easily move to the front burner of the court's agenda. Also, this is an administration that has made its views on civil rights very, very clear. Uh, one point I wanted to make, we cannot rush this nomination. There is a pending criminal investigation into the president itself, and everyone has said that it would be irresponsible for the Senate to move forward without concluding that. Also, Brett Kavanaugh has been on the court for 12 years. He has hundreds of opinions, and there are also thousands of documents to mine from his work in the White House, which I should add included selected and supporting some of George Bush's worst judicial nominees on civil rights. This will take a tremendous amount of time to give the nomination the rigorous scrutiny it deserves. So, NAACP understands that this is the nomination of a generation, and in closing, I just wanted to share with you what we said in our statement last night. To each and every senator, we said, this is the civil rights vote of your career. We will be watching closely. Make no mistake, we are in the fight of our lives, and we hope you are prepared for battle. So thank you very much, and I will turn it over to Keith Theron from the Alliance for Justice. Thanks so much, Leslie, and everyone on the call. I'm Keith Tyrion. I'm the Director of Outreach at Alliance for Justice. And for almost 40 years, Alliance for Justice has led the fight to ensure that our federal courts are a place where the rights of all of us are protected, not just the wealthy and powerful. And Justice Kennedy was a moderating influence on the court. We need a nominee that will maintain that balance. And instead, we got a short list of nominees, and now Brett Kavanaugh in particular, who met political litmus tests of Trump and this administration. Two in particular were committing to overturn and gut Roe v. Wade and undermine the Affordable Care Act and critical protections, both on anti-discrimination protections and pre-existing conditions, and the list goes on under the Affordable Care Act to ensure access to health care. It's also gravely concerning in this day and age of repeated attacks on our communities, repeated attacks on our civil rights from this administration, that Brett Kavanaugh's personal writings cause serious concern that he could believe that a president can be above the law and will not stand up to Trump's egregious attacks on our rights and abuses of presidential power. To start out with the first litmus test of overturning and gutting Roe v. Wade, we don't have to wonder about Brett Kavanaugh's specific positions or ways that he would rule in access to abortion cases. In the Jane Doe case, a teenage undocumented immigrant was seeking abortion care while in government custody in Texas. 
and when the case made it to the D.C. Circuit, on a three-judge panel, Kavanaugh actually wrote the order delaying her access to abortion and saying she could be assigned a supervisor to help her make this momentous decision. Four days later, the full D.C. Circuit overturned that panel and allowed her to get the care she needed. We cannot have Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court issuing these rulings that would gut abortion access and block people from seeking the abortion care that they need. He's also been on the wrong side of a number of civil rights cases. In South Carolina versus the United States, Kavanaugh wrote an opinion upholding a South Carolina voter ID law that the Obama Justice Department said would disenfranchise, quote, tens of thousands of minority voters. Time and again, in multiple workplace discrimination cases, we've seen him side with employers and against workers pursuing discrimination claims based on race. And this is a theme. Brett Kavanaugh would not protect the rights of all of us, but instead will repeatedly side with powerful corporate interests and the wealthy and powerful over our basic rights. The stakes of this nomination cannot be overstated. This will be a decision and determine whether we become a country that increases equality, increases freedom and access to opportunity for everyone, or where the wealthy and powerful become only wealthier and only more powerful. And he checks every box. In addition to our civil rights, he has also ruled repeatedly for corporations and against safeguards that make the air we breathe clean and the water we drink drinkable. He's struck down EPA protections under the Clean Air Act. He's opposed efforts to fight climate change and he's found against protections for clean water. These are critical safeguards that keep our communities healthy and we know that environmental justice and pollution is an issue that disproportionately impacts already marginalized communities, including communities of color and lower income communities. Brett Kavanaugh's record shows that he is a threat to our civil rights and to all of the rights and protections that we've fought for over decades. And this means that everyone from across issues, from reproductive health care, women's rights, workers' rights, civil rights, LGBT rights, is coming together to say we must stop Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. Just last night, we saw over 1,000 people turn out to rally within minutes of his nomination being announced. This week and in coming weeks, there are hundreds of events and action planned in DC, in the states, people joining together to stand up and say, we must stop Brett Kavanaugh. And it's this broad, diverse coalition that's going to make the difference. So today, we need everyone to double down and recommit to raising your voice, to contacting your senators, to spreading the word within your communities that Brett Kavanaugh is not the nominee that we need, and we must stop Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Marty Rouse, National Field Director of the Human Rights Campaign. Thanks so much, Keith. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign is mobilizing its more than 3 million members and supporters to tell the United States Senate that Brett Kavanaugh is a threat to women's reproductive rights, a threat to affordable health care, and a threat to LGBTQ equality. As Eric mentioned earlier, uh, Judge Kavanaugh has been pre-cleared by anti-LGBTQ organizations and nominated by a White House that is overwhelmingly hostile to LGBTQ equality. Trump has consistently attacked the rights of LGBTQ people in this country over the past 18 months. 
He's attempted to ban transgender people from serving openly in the military. He's attempted to grant a license to discriminate for health care workers who could refuse to grant life-saving care to LGBTQ people based on their personal beliefs. His Department of Education has turned away transgender students with civil rights complaints, claiming their gender identity is not protected under Title IX. He's worked to erase LGBTQ people from government websites and publications. Just in December, the CDC was ordered to not even use seven words in their reports, and transgender was one of those words. This is a White House that has made rolling back LGBTQ rights a top priority, and having another seat on the Supreme Court is a perfect vehicle to further push that hateful agenda. As Keith mentioned, last night there was a rally in front of the Supreme Court. HRC President Chad Griffin, uh, local HRC members and others joined coalition partners in front of the Supreme Court for a rally to demand that the United States Senate reject Judge Kavanaugh based on his anti-equality record and the viciously anti-LGBTQ record of this White House. HRC is mobilizing its more than 3 million members and allies across the country to tell the United States Senate it's unacceptable and dangerous to confirm Kavanaugh. And we will be especially focused on Maine and Alaska, where Senators Collins and Murkowski need to be held accountable and vote against this attempt to strip away health care from millions of Americans and destroy reproductive rights and access for all people. In addition to Maine and Alaska, we'll also be focusing on Missouri, Indiana, and North Dakota. Already we've been working with allies in Alaska, labor allies, native Alaskans, legal groups, and the state LGBT organization and women's organizations. In Maine, we've been working with Equality Maine, Planned Parenthood, and other groups as well. We are working with coalition partners to make it clear to the American public that any nominee from this White House will overturn Roe, dismantle the Affordable Care Act, and attack other marginalized communities. Judge Kavanaugh is a nominee that will benefit the most powerful in this country at the expense of the people. And as bad as Kavanaugh is, Trump will continue this record of nominating anti-equality candidates to the Supreme Court as time goes on. The stakes this November could not be higher for all Americans, but particularly for vulnerable communities whose civil rights are already under attack by this White House. And therefore, it is crucial that Americans turn out in force for the midterm elections. And HRC is helping to lead this effort through our targeted state-level organizing and field organizing training academies this summer and fall in over 15 states. And now I'll turn it over to Sana. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sana Abrar. I serve as the Advocacy Director for United We Dream. United We Dream is the nation's largest immigrant youth-led network. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-racial movement, proud to represent youth and their families at both the local and national levels. Brett Kavanaugh will be a rubber stamp on Trump's anti-immigrant agenda, including the administration's priority to determine the constitutionality of DACA. We have just recently witnessed the impact of a Trump nominee confirmed to the Supreme Court. Last month, this court endorsed the racist and Islamophobic Muslim ban, supported the misleading rhetoric of anti-choice organizations, and attacked working-class union members. These are just a few of the many unfortunate decisions issued by this court, as well as a sneak peek into what the future holds should Kavanaugh be confirmed by the Senate. Kavanaugh himself has an anti-immigrant record, as mentioned 
by folks on this call already. Kavanaugh rejected an undocumented woman's right to an abortion, dissenting against a majority opinion that supported Jane Doe's reproductive rights while being held in an ICE detention camp. In Agriprocessor versus NLRB, he called a union election, quote-unquote, tainted because undocumented workers had actually made their voices heard as union members. His nomination puts not only immigrants' vital health care and reproductive health services on the line, but even sooner, we expect the Supreme Court to consider DACA within the next year. Next month, Judge Hainan in Brownsville, Texas, the same judge who attacked expanded DACA and DAPA, will be making a ruling regarding DACA. We do not expect this decision to be in our favor, and the decision itself will help expedite what this administration has been working toward, bringing DACA to the Supreme Court. That would mean that in addition to the daily racial profiling, detention, and the menace of the deportation force made up of ICE and Border Patrol, tens of thousands of young immigrants could see their protections eroded even further. We want Democrat and Republican senators alike to stand against Kavanaugh's appointment. He would be a deciding vote that could hurt countless Americans, both documented and undocumented alike upending their lives and their families' lives for generations. Across the country, immigrant youth and their families will continue to organize their communities and fight back against the attacks from this administration. And we want everyone to know and understand that with this fight, as we we confront the danger of Kavanaugh being confirmed to the Supreme Court, we see it as one and the same as we fight for immigrant youth and their families. Thank you. Great, thank you so much. This is Eric with Legal again. I am going to ask folks if you do have a question and you're on the web portal for any one of our uh, panelists today, please put it into the question and answer section. Type it out and I will read it and direct it to the panelist uh, that would be most appropriate. We do have two already lined up. Um, so uh, one of them is, uh, Even if we are successful in making sure Kavanaugh is not confirmed, are the other candidates on, I I would guess what they mean is the short list, any better? Marty, do you want to take that one? Or Keith? Sure. We know that Trump's short list uh, potential nominees all met the two litmus tests that we mentioned. They are committed to overturning and gutting Roe v. Wade and undermining the Affordable Care Act. All of them would side with the wealthy and powerful, and not one nominee on that short list is acceptable. Marty, did you have anything to add? No, thank you. Okay, the next question is, is there anything in Kavanaugh's record that paints a positive picture of him as a possible SCOTUS justice? Folks looking for a little bit of, of daylight here. Um, anybody want to weigh in on a, a possible good aspect to this Kavanaugh appointment? The silence is deafening. Um, all right. How about um, in terms of the positive aspects of what we can do in the confirmation process to make sure that the voices of the civil rights community are being heard and that senators are standing up and asking the tough questions and demanding 
tough answers from uh, Judge Kavanaugh on, on his uh, Judiciary Committee hearing. Uh, Leslie, do you want to handle that? Sure, thank you. Um, so it's a great question, um, and I think it's really important for un to understand that while certain states are mentioned as very you know, intensive targets, obviously ones like Maine and um, Alaska, uh, where those senators are, are considered the, the, the more moderate Republicans, it's really important that every senator know how much their constituents care about this. So I tell colleagues in, in California and New York, even though you've got very um, aggressive senators on judiciary issues um, in those states, let them know because it's, it, that, that, that is also provides the wind at their backs. Um, and sometimes it, it, it um, leads them to be even more aggressive, to ask more questions. You know, the timing of this is really important. Um, you know, I had mentioned that, that we do not want to rush this, and, and a lot of us have been saying this should not happen until the next Senate is seated in January of 2019 because there's so much going on right now, um, certainly the you know, pending criminal investigation. But this is going to take a while. I remember when John Roberts was nominated, he had, um, he had, been, he had been appointed to the D.C. Circuit, just like Kavanaugh. Um, and then a few years later, he was nominated to the Supreme Court. It was a very different confirmation process. He had worked in the Justice Department for years during the Reagan administration. And so all those documents had to be combed through, all the positions that he had taken. It was a very, very um, uh, intense process. And I think that weighing in with your senators to let them know that you want the most exacting scrutiny of this nomination, in addition to your views opposing him, um, is really important. Great, thank you. Uh, Shannon, this question is for you perhaps. Which LGBTQ legal victories do you think are most at risk by Kavanaugh's nomination? Right. Well, you know, as I indicated earlier, I do not expect that, especially in the short run, that we would see a direct reversal of any of the uh, landmark decisions that the court has already issued in Romer, Lawrence, Windsor, Obergefell, or the Bragdon case, which I didn't mention, where the court held that the Americans with Disability Act protects people with, who are uh, living with HIV, also a really important decision. Uh, I think that um, because a direct reversal of any of those would be so dramatic and shocking, would be so uh, deeply unpopular, and would really undermine the credibility of the court as an institution, I, I don't think that we're going to be facing, at least in the short run, that type of uh, really overt uh, attack. But I'm, what I am deeply concerned about, though, are decisions that effectively undermine and strip those decisions of any substance. Uh, I think we have to be particularly alert for um, undermining of the Obergefell decision. There's a lot of uh, states out there that would very much like to push uh, same-sex couples and their families back into a second-tier status and to deny them some of the benefits and protections that other married couples enjoy. And that's where we, I think, are particularly going to need to be hypervigilant. I'm very concerned about how 
that Judge Kavanaugh might very well go along with, um, even you know, even actively support attempts to undermine the uh, Obergefell's uh, holding of, of equality for our families. I mean, we don't, uh, you know, someone asked a while ago, is there anything positive about him? Uh, unfortunately, really, there is nothing in his record that would, would give any cause for optimism, but I will say that there is an indication that that, is, that may be his approach to fundamental rights, is that rather than attacking them directly, he seems inclined to eviscerate them of any substance. I mean, that's what we saw with the Garza decision when he dissented from the entire D.C. Court of Appeals, who said that the United States could not hold this young woman uh, who had been detained for immigration reasons again and deny her an abortion. Uh, he wrote a blistering dissent that did not directly challenge Roe, but said that it did not violate her fundamental right to reproductive choice for the government to hold her, uh, you know, indefinitely and effectively pro prohibit her from obtaining an abortion. So I think we can look forward to, uh, you know, if Judge Kavanaugh is confirmed, and uh, I very much hope that he will not be, but I think we can look forward to decisions that really make a mockery of these important constitutional freedoms that everyone depends on. Thank, thank you, Shannon. Uh, and I would just add that we are watching, an, we, you know, Masterpiece Cake Shop was decided very narrowly based on the hostility uh, towards religion in the adjudication process, but the Supreme Court did vacate and remand a decision in Arlene's Flowers, which dealt with essentially the same issue sending it back down. We've got a number of these types of cases that deal with um, light, broad licenses to discriminate to generally applicable civil rights laws and an invitation for, um, for conservative activist litigation groups to bring those cases right back up to the Supreme Court that now is uh, short Justice Kennedy. And that pretends a very dangerous uh, future for people who believe that civil rights uh, laws apply to LGBT people equally and that businesses should be open to all. Okay, so I have another question here about um, what can communities uh, that are marginalized communities of color do to fight Kavanaugh's nomination? What types of uh, rhetoric or engagement tools do we have to fire folks up? Uh, Sana, do you want to take this question? Yeah, Marty? of course. Great. Um, I think we are in one of the best places to fight back uh, as a multi-issue, multi-racial coalition. Some of the most amazing fights that we have seen that have built base all around the country have been just that, whether it's the DREAM Act fight or the fight for healthcare rights last year and beyond. This is a great opportunity for, of course, not only uh, communities of color, directly impacted communities of immigrants and undocumented people, as well as their allies to band together on all the issues that are at stake. I like what was said before about this being a vote for senators um, to be considered the civil rights vote of their life because it truly is. And under that umbrella of civil and human rights, there is so much that we can bring to the table when addressing our, uh, our representation or our senators who are in Congress. Um, there are so many issues to bring to the table from an intersectional point of view, whether it's the young undocumented woman who uh, depends on Planned Parenthood for those affordable quality access to healthcare services, 
or it's that um, a, you know, naturalized citizen came here as an immigrant a few years ago who um, has discovered the benefits of being a union member and having a true voice when it comes to workers' rights. Um, so everything that can be done in coalition that features these issues um, piece by piece but uh, melds them together through the magic of storytelling is truly impactful, particularly for senators who are going to be um, taking a vote that impacts every facet of our and, and their lives. Great, thank you. I have one question about, is there, um, about if there are any chances that Jeff Flake or John McCain, um, and what are the chances that Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski can actually be convinced to block Kavanaugh? Uh, anybody on that? Hi, this is Leslie. I'll take that. Um, you know, it's, it, it, we, we never know how senators uh, are going to vote until they actually vote. And I will say this as somebody who's been working the Hill for a long time. Sometimes people even change their votes. So we should not assume that anybody is um, out of the question for purposes of contacting them, letting them know um, uh, the positions of their constituents, the communities who live in their states. Everybody is on the table, so to speak. And I think certainly, as I said before, there are targets um, that are going to be, um, you know, there's going to be much engagement in those states across issues um, because all communities live in those states and all communities are constituents. And so while there may be certain issues leading, it's not the, um, um, they're not the only ones that are, that are in play. Um, I think Jeff Flake, I think, um, um, John McCain, you know, likely not, not be voting. That's what people are expecting. But people, people like um, um, Senator Corker in Tennessee, um, some, of the, some of the Democrats who are up for re-election, West Virginia, Joe Manchin, uh, Senator Donnelly in, in Indiana, um, Senator McCaskill in Missouri. Everybody needs to be contacted about this. And um, don't give up on them before they let you know where they are. I think that's a mistake. If we decrease our, our efforts and our energy thinking that they're going to do the wrong thing before they let us know that that's where they are. So um, as I said, everybody should be, should be contacted. Great. I have another question. If Kavanaugh is defeated, then what? Do we keep defeating Trump nominees for the next two and a half years? And uh, to add to that, what is the strategy if for some reason we don't get a confirmation and the Senate flips Democrat? Anybody want to take that? Well, uh, this is Marty from HRC. Um, I would say that it's really incumbent upon um, everybody and organizations to really, as several um, of the um, people on this call have said, to contact their senators. So th this is really an extremely important vote. And the only one of the reasons why we would be successful is because senators do have their phones ringing off the hook. If senators are in their state going from town hall to town hall and they keep being inundated by people saying, please vote against Judge Kavanaugh. And so it really is important to make sure that organizations mobilize their membership, mobilize their supporters, and also every Everybody has, I, I agree with what, what um, Leslie said earlier, every senator is important, but there will be some senators that everybody will start 
talking about as the nomination gets closer, and we have to make sure that we communicate with our members and supporters and say, who do you know in that state? In Maine, do you know anyone who lives there, your family, your friends, former colleagues? Um, it's really important for us to really mobilize deeply uh, and make personal asks and make this very, very personal to our members and supporters of what is at stake and who do you know in these states to contact the senators? And that is how we'll be successful. And so whether if we are successful in defeating um, Judge Kavanaugh, then, as I said earlier, everything really focuses on November. And these elections are so very important because we really do need to try to change Congress. And if we do change Congress, then the whole ballgame changes. And so it's mobilizing right now against Kavanaugh, being as targeted and as strategic as possible, and inundating senators with calls nonstop, and then focusing like a laser beam on those midterm elections for us to be successful in putting an emergency break on Trump and Pence. Great, thanks. I have a question. Uh, progressive commentators have stated that Kavanaugh was the best of the four on the short list. Can we poll the panelists if they agree? Um, one thing before I kick this over to anybody who wants to answer is I would just say that you know everybody particularly the four finalists that we saw at the very end, would be unacceptably hostile towards LGBT rights. Um, that's why they made it on the Trump shortlist to begin with. I think the comparator is to Justice Kennedy. All of them would be much uh, worse for LGBT people than the seat that's being vacated by Justice Kennedy. And these are folks that are being successfully confirmed to the lower federal courts and powerful courts of appeals that decide by and large the vast majority of cases affecting civil rights in this country. These folks are being jammed through at an unprecedented clip um, and Mitch McConnell has been doing the very best that he can with Chuck Grassley's help to make sure that some of these uh, appeals court judges are stacked up on a panel in a confirmation nomination hearing um, so that senators can't ask them sp explicit questions with, without running out of time. Um, the design is to make sure that these folks are rammed through without any light of day being uh, you know, shined on their judicial records. And so this gives us an opportunity as a civil rights community to not only hold up this extreme nominee, but galvanize progressives across the country to stand up against this onslaught of conservative judges who are in the same mold as the Gorsuches and Kavanaugh's that are now populating our uh, lower federal courts. Great. And so uh, anybody else want to weigh in on you know, the, the four that we got and if, if, if Kavanaugh is any better than anyone else? Uh, this is Leslie. Go ahead, Go ahead Leslie. Leslie. I was just going to say, no, he was one of four very bad uh, prospective nominees. And I was just going to add to that, you know, we can't lose sight of the forest for the trees here. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, a, a study that analyzed his record and found that he would be, like, Far, well to the right of every single current justice on the court, except for Clarence Thomas. And we're talking at most about small degrees of difference among very extreme hard right uh, judges. And we should you know, also remember that the court is already a very conservative court. 
we're talking about, any of these four would, would push the court to a degree that really eliminates any hope for balance on the court or any realistic possibility that the court would fulfill its constitutional role of protecting basic rights for everyone and of acting as a meaningful check on the other branches. Great. And I'll direct uh, one of these final questions to Keith or uh, Leslie, folks who are really familiar with the confirmation process. Is there anything procedurally that can be done? This question suggests the 49 senators walking out of the Senate such that there is no quorum for a vote with McCain out. Um, so it, uh, what procedural tools do we have at our disposal to maybe potentially block or stall this nomination? Thanks, Eric. This is Keith. There is no magic bullet to the procedural victory. We need every senator who cares about civil rights to use every procedural tool in their toolbox to ensure first time for close scrutiny, hard questions at hearings, um, to really highlight Kavanaugh's record and delay and stop this process. So there is no magic bullet, but that's also why it's so important that senators are hearing every day, all day, every event, all events when they're in state and in DC about why people oppose Brett Kavanaugh. Great. And so I want to close with this question that also has to deal with how people can get involved and ask as many folks to weigh in as possible with um, you know, the most specific ways that they can think. Um, uh, Marty, are you able to send a link to the voter training you were speaking about uh, for folks that are curious? Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Great. And so could we just end with a, you know, if you were giving folks one or two immediate things that they can do to help support your organization and make sure that we're making progress forward to, uh, to defeat Kavanaugh, what would you say to them? Uh, let's start with uh, Shannon. Well, just to please stay tuned uh, to our website, sign up for our mailing list if you're not on it already. And I can't um, you know, iterate this enough about how important it is that people reach out to their senators no matter where you live. Great. Leslie? Leslie, are you on mute? Okay, let's go with Keith. Yeah, I'd say call your senator. Get five friends to call their senators. Get those five friends to get five friends to call their senators. And we have talking points information um, at our website, afj.org, where you can also sign up to stay up to date. Great. Marty? Yeah, I'll just reiterate what I said earlier was in addition to calling your own senator and getting your family and friends to call their senators, pay attention as we get closer to the vote who the swing senators really are and try to find a way to mobilize your members and supporters to think who they know in their lives that live in those states and have those people call those senators. Great. And Sana? Yeah, um, reiterating, making those calls, sitting down with your representatives to talk over what's at stake. And of course, building in coalition. This cannot be done without um, folks from 
um, all over the spectrum. Every issue under the sun is at stake when it comes to this uh, potential confirmation of Kavanaugh. And so we are pushing for folks to do what they do best, which is build in coalition, multi-issue, multi-racial, and um, push for a no vote on, um, on Kavanaugh. Great. Leslie? All right, so I will just close out by encouraging folks. A lot of people, particularly like me, who are situated in New York or in New York City and do have Chuck Schumer and Senator Gillibrand who you know, need to hear from us but are ultimately going to do everything that they can to make sure that this uh, nomination is defeated, to make sure that we are connecting the courts to every piece of activism that we do. When we're out in the streets resisting any aspect of this Trump administration's dangerous attack on civil rights, we need to be talking about the courts because this is a long-term strategy and a long-term problem that we have as progressives where we don't talk about the critical link that the courts play in upholding the rights and liberties that we cherish. Um, there was a recent poll done by you know, a focus group out in Ohio and seven in 10 folks did not know who Justice Kennedy was. This is not the same problem on the right. They know what the judges mean, what conservative judges will do if they make it to the bench, and we need to start having those conversations up and down the line on health care, voting rights, immigration, uh, LGBT rights, everything that we care about um, if we want to eventually be successful in taking back the courts for the future. So I want to thank everybody for participating in this call, particularly our panelists. That concludes the panel conversation. Thank you for listening to the Legal LGBT Podcast. Now, get out there and stop Kavanaugh.